my hope was to come back with a nugget of experience and creativity and then write a humor essay about Gordon Ramsay or my experience in Hollywood. I'm Ed Levine, founder of Serious Eats and the author of Serious Eater, a food lover's quest for pizza and redemption. Last week on Special Sauce, we met Christine Ha, who made TV history by competing in and winning season three of Gordon Ramsay's reality series, MasterChef. People often ask me, they say, oh, it's so stressful when we watch it on television. Is it that bad when you're really competing? I'm like, it is like 20 times worse. Her outstanding cooking skills, while judges and audiences alike, which was all the more impressive because she won without being able to see. Christine Ha began to lose her eyesight in college and her sight impairment forced her to learn new ways of doing almost everything. But that hasn't stopped her. In fact, after MasterChef, she began an award-winning career as an author, chef, and restaurateur. Christine runs two restaurants in Houston, The Blind Goat and the recently opened Sin Chow, where her co-executive chef is Tony J. Nguyen. Christine was also a finalist for the 2022 James Beard Award for Best Chef in the Texas region. This week, I asked Christine about her life and work after MasterChef and what her future plans are. That's next on Special Sauce, the podcast about food and life. This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home or takeout? I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery, and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus. Discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. You're in MasterChef, and you never, you'd never worked in a professional kitchen, right? I guess you're not allowed to if you want to be on MasterChef, but, but you didn't. And even after you won MasterChef and you received from it the money, the cookbook contract, you still didn't start a restaurant right away. 
I was asked right after the show or even while I was on the show, like, oh, when are you going to start a restaurant? When are you going to start a restaurant? And my answer is, I always kind of chuckle at this because people, I think many people don't realize that running a restaurant, whether you are the owner or the main head chef, it is a totally different animal than being able to do really well in a culinary competition on television, let alone being a great home cook. So I always say just because I'm a great home cook and I can cook for, you know, two to 30 people doesn't mean that I know how to run a commercial kitchen day in, day out, serving hundreds of people, sourcing ingredients, you know, figuring out who the vendors are, coordinating deliveries, prepping, putting together a team, all of these things, I think, take time to learn. So right after MasterChef, I... wrote the cookbook, which I thoroughly enjoyed because obviously my background is in writing. And I had a lot of opportunities to do more television and to do a lot of public speaking. And I felt like that for me at that time, including doing some pop-ups here and there to just get my feet wet on what it was like to do a food, like a lunch or dinner service. I continued to do that. And I felt like Where I shined was really my story and being able to tell my story in a lot of different events and and speaking to people and, and inspiring them to pursue their own goals in spite of their challenges. I felt like it wasn't time until I had the opportunity several years later to finally open inside a food hall, like a just a very small 400 square foot station. And so I thought, well, the financial investment initially is small. I can open this thing and at least learn the ropes of what it's like to have a small uh, food business. And so that's when we opened the Blind Goat in 2019 uh, to much higher claim than I would have ever imagined. And it was a huge learning curve for myself and my husband, who's also my business partner. But I don't regret a thing because it really taught me how to open the next restaurant, Xin Chao, in 2020 in the midst of a pandemic. And then that was in its own way difficult as well. But we inherited like a second, third generation restaurant. So at least we didn't have to do a complete build out. And then now I'm in the process of building out a full space restaurant to move the blind goat into because it's outgrown its space in a food hall. And now I want to do a full bar, have a bigger kitchen to do catering, be able to make more people happy uh, in my restaurant. So now this is a fresh build out. So each step has progressively taken me to the my next step. And I think it was it served me well to wait uh, a while and learn more because I think oftentimes people tend to jump the gun and I'm not like that. I'm very careful. I'm all about being detail oriented and and I think a lot before I'll I'll make a big leap like that and um, now I think I'm finally ready. Like it's still very scary <laughs> doing the things that I think I'm doing, but I think I'm smart enough to know, like, you know, you always need to have a contingency plan and then you always do your best. And I think for me, what served me well is not only following my intuition or my, my gut, but also thinking as a consumer, because all my life for many, many years and before I ever became a chef or a restaurant owner, I ate out a lot and I've had everything from very formal high-end um, restaurants to street food. And I know 
everything about the experiences in between what I like, what I think could be improved upon. And if I keep thinking as a consumer in that way and understanding my target audience, I feel like I have a sort of an advantage to be able to make it a successful business. Are you cooking on the line on a regular basis? And didn't you have to set up the kitchen so that it can accommodate a non-sighted person? A lot of guests come into the restaurants and they're like, oh, is Chef Christine in the back on the line? And my staff kind of chuckles at it because when we first opened the restaurant, as an owner or as the you know, the head chef or the owner of the restaurant, you are wearing many hats. So I'm washing dishes, I'm prepping, I'm cooking some things, I'm stocking the fridge, whatever it, it may be. But now that the restaurants are full-fledged operations that are able to be like a pretty well-oiled machine on on their own, I fortunately don't have to do that. So now I'm stepping back and my strength is coming up with the menu, uh, like the menu development, doing a lot of the leading the R&D for the new recipes and just being the face and the brand and steering the ship of the restaurants and kind of helping our management staff figure out what it takes to to run the restaurant in the vision that I have for it and then them managing the rest of the staff. So I still very much participate in and do a lot of the R&D and the menu development, whether it's for the cocktails or for the new dishes, and then maybe doing like tasting menus or special events or private events. I'm very hands-on in those things. But on a day-to-day basis, I am lucky that I have a team I can depend on to do the line cooking, the prep cooking, the dishwashing. So you know, unless we're short staff, which throughout the pandemic, many restaurants were, and we were in the restaurant doing many of these things. I'm not there in the kitchen on a daily basis cooking on the line. But the kitchen is set up to accommodate you if need be. It's more about teaching the staff to learn how to cook with someone who's visually impaired next to them. So for example, with Sin, with Sin Chow, we inherited a kitchen that was already built out. So maybe there there should be like little things we can do, like adding raised bump dot stickers to the stove or whatnot. But most of the things like in that kitchen, I don't really need to have particular markers for anything. Like my staff knows like to be vocal or not to move things at my station if I'm there cutting some vegetables. So it's more about educating other people on how to work with someone who's visually impaired rather than adapting the kitchen. So my home kitchen, if you look at it, it looks just like any other kitchen, but there are small like adaptations. Like I said, little raised bump dot stickers, or I rely very heavily on my smart home device to set timers or to do measurement conversions. But the kitchen itself, as long as it's organized and neat, like that's the main thing I ask for, whether it be my home kitchen or the restaurant kitchen, that's the best way to set up for someone who's visually impaired. Do you still get scared because you are visually impaired that you're going to get cut by a knife or you're going to bump into a really hot stove. Do those feelings ever go away or or they stay with you? They do stay. They are definitely minimal, but it's still there. If it's like a very busy service, I if I'm in the kitchen, I just stay in one area because I'm the last thing I want to do is 
move and not know that a cook is turning around with a big vat of hot oil or something. So there is always that slight fear or I'm always a slightly on edge or just constantly trying to take in my environment to know where everyone is or what things are happening so I don't get in the way or try to prevent an accident from happening. So I think that is something that stays with me for the rest of my life. If it was me, like my first thought is I'm going to chop off my finger, you know, or I'm going to, you know, that you must have had those, all of those same reactions. Yes. When I first started cooking again, as I lost more and more vision, even in my own home kitchen where it was quiet and I knew where everything was because I'd set it up myself, like I was very nervous about turning on the stove or picking up a knife. So I had a a cooking instructor who came from the Lighthouse of Houston where they service a lot of visually impaired students to to learn different skills. And she gave me like a knife guard and I tried to use it. And I was like, I can see the safety of this, but it was really frustrating to me because it just was unwieldy to use. So I remember I ended up taking off the knife guard. And I was like, I'm just going to learn to cut the knife with the knife like any sighted person. And I think that sort of gumption served me well because I just knew that, well, I'm just going to have to adapt to a lot of things here that's done for the sighted people. And I realize now the more I practiced and the more I experienced, the better I, I got at it. And so that's something I always tell everybody. It's like, whenever we start out learning something new, it's going to be very hard and very frustrating. But I'm a true testament to how you can keep at something and keep trying and eventually it'll become like second nature. We'll be back with more special sauce in just a moment. This episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, The next day, it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home or takeout? I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery, and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com slash altitude go when you apply live every day your way with the altitude go card learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go limited time offer the creditor and issue of this card is u.s bank national association pursuant to a license from visa usa inc some restrictions may apply One of the things you did after you won MasterChef is you were the 
co-host of a cooking show in Canada. I think it was called Four Senses, right? And it was to give visually impaired people confidence for cooking. Exactly. I co-hosted that show called Four Senses in Canada with Carl Heinrich, who was the winner of Top Chef Canada. And he's fully sighted. So we, you know, because it was a Canadian show, they needed someone who's Canadian to co-host with me. But it was a, a show geared towards visually impaired cooks or just novice home cooks who were trying to learn more things in the kitchen. And so we filmed it like almost like a radio show because we knew that our audience would largely be made up of visually impaired people. We were very explicit in our descriptions. Like we would never say, put this in that. We would say, take the two cups of onion you just diced and put it into the pot with the ground beef, for example. So we always had to think like we're cooking on the radio, but we did a lot of recipes that were very simple. Each episode had a theme and it was, it was a lot of fun and it helped me get more and more comfortable in front of the camera again, even though I'd done, you know, a whole season of MasterChef and now I was actually co-hosting a, another show. And I think many of these episodes are still available online because many people do ask, like, where can I learn more about how to cook as someone who's visually impaired? And I always send them to go watch old episodes of Four Senses. So what's the abbreviation? NMOS? NMO. NMO. Or it could be NMOSD if you want to add so spectrum disorder is, on that. Has it stopped progressing? Like, do you still suffer any attacks or do you still occasionally have to deal with attacks of the disease? I've fortunately been attack-free for over 10 years, and it's because I've found a treatment that has stabilized my NMO. So I am on twice a year on an immunotherapy-type infusion that helps stave off the B cells, which are what's overactive in patients with NMO. So I've been on this treatment, I want to say, since 2008 or so, and, and so my health has fortunately been stable since then. But you know, I, I can tell on days when I'm more tired or under more stress, I can feel some of the symptoms creeping in. But I know my body so well now that as soon as I feel any sort of pain in the back of my eye or any tingliness in my fingers or my toes, and I know, okay, I'm the, the good thing is I'm my own boss. So I'm able to just kind of move meetings or cancel things that day and just take it easy and, and rest up. And I think that's what's really important is knowing my body and knowing when I need to take a step back and delegate and depend on other people around me. You've given the condition or the disease, whatever you want to call it, a lot more visibility than it had. And that you're even encouraging people to tell their stories. And I assume you're hoping that the visibility will also mean that more research will be done on, on the disease. Exactly. Yeah. So I was part of a campaign this year called NMOSD Won't Stop Me. And it was me retelling my story of how hard it was when I was dealing with the symptoms, initial symptoms and the diagnosis of the disease, because it was considered a rare orphan disease back when I was first diagnosed. And I didn't know anyone with the same disease as me. So I felt very lost and, and had no resources. And now there, there are more people getting diagnosed correctly with NMO who were initially misdiagnosed with other diseases. And so that was the whole reason I did this campaign to encourage people to be open about their diagnosis and their own experiences because everyone experience with NMO is different. And I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was 
I always tried to hide my my vision impairment. I tried to hide my disease diagnosis. So I was always the one in in school, like kind of walking around without my cane and bumping into walls or walking into the men's room instead of the women's restroom because I was trying to blend in with all the other students. And I was ashamed of being different. But I think being on MasterChef forced me to suddenly be in the public eye and on national television, tell my story uh, of how I don't have vision and how I was diagnosed with this disease. And then that really gave me the courage to now be just loud and proud about my diagnosis and and say that NMO is part of who I am, but it doesn't define all of me. And that's the story and the message I want to share with other people living with similar diseases or with any sort of rare disease. You don't want people to see you as first and foremost or only someone who suffers from NMO. Right. There are a lot of things that have become part of your identity. That's right. I think it's important for people to understand that we are all an intersection of so many things. So, for example, I identify as Asian American or Vietnamese American. I identify as a straight woman. I identify as someone living with NMO, someone who's visually impaired or living with a disability. And all of these things make up my identity, but not one part or not one single part is all of me. All of these things blend together to create my own unique life experience and journey. And I think that's important to remember that everyone has a unique experience or life journey as well that identify them. They're not just one thing, but there are many things put together. When we're able to see other people for all of the things that make up their identity, we realize that everyone is an individual. And I think that's important is to not see stereotypes and not to lump people into a homogenous group, for example. That's what you're trying to inspire people to do overall, is not to only cope with whatever disease or hurdles that they're dealing with, but also that that's part of being alive and and deriving pleasure from your life acknowledging the pain, but also saying, you know, I'm a lot of things. I'm not just a person with NMO. Yeah, I couldn't put it better than the way you just did. (laughs) So what's next? You're about to open or maybe you have opened the the new blind goat. So it's it's coming. Under construction, yes. Sometime this fall, you have the second restaurant. So what's it like? to work with another chef. I love collaborating. And, you know, Tony has a different cooking style than me. He has a lot bolder flavors in his cooking. For me, I tend to pull back a lot. And with me, I like things very balanced. And we've learned from each other a lot. And I think it's it's good that, you know, we both still are Texans that are grew up with Vietnamese parents. So we still have a love for for that sort of quiz, regional cuisine and heritage cuisine, but we are two different people. And so we have two different cooking styles and it's nice to collaborate and learn to uh, come to terms and meet eye to eye with the dishes that we put on the menu. So I love doing collaborations with other chefs. Your life experience has both forced you to say, I don't need 
to collaborate, that I could do as many things as everybody else. And at the same time, you realize that collaboration is actually key to having a successful business or just going through life. There's a proverb that my husband, John, always quotes to our staff. And it's, it's a, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. For me, like I'm a very much a love to be in control, but losing my mom when I was young, losing my vision in, in my 20s has forced me to give up a lot of control because I realized I, as much as I tried, I couldn't control my life. And the same thing goes with owning a business or a restaurant is you have to, at some point, let go and let it, the restaurant as an organic thing, do its own thing. You have to learn to delegate to other people on your staff or other partners that you trust because you selected them for a reason, because they're probably better at the job than you are and you have to rely on them. These were lifelong lessons that have been hard for me to accept. But I think I was prepared for it in some way because of the vision loss and and all of those things. So I think it's been a very good lesson for me to learn. And it's something I'm still learning to this day because I still often try to take on everything. Well, Christine Ha, thanks so much for sharing your special, your extremely special, special sauce with us. And Serious Eaters, if you find yourself in Houston, you would do well by eating at the Blind Goat and or... Sing ciao. Anyway, it's really been a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. That's it for this week. Thank you to my guests, the Houston-based chef and restaurateur, Christine Ha, who is also the author of Recipes from My Home Kitchen, Asian and American Comfort Food. This episode was produced by Pedro Rafael Rosado, and Jocelyn Gonzalez of PRX Productions. If you want more special sauce in your life, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's easy and it's free. Or go to the thespecialsaucepodcast.com where you'll find every episode we've ever done. I'm Ed Levine, and thanks for listening. So long, Serious Eaters. episode of Special Sauce is brought to you by U.S. Bank. If you're anything like me, you're thinking about food all the time. One day I'm craving Texas barbecue, the next day it's cast iron skillet fried chicken. Wouldn't it be great to earn rewards on everything you crave, whether it's dishes from your favorite restaurant or food you make at home? Or takeout. I do love takeout, whether it's great pizza from Mama's 2 or roast pork egg foo young sauce on the side, please, from La Dinestia, or just some spicy tuna rolls from Sushi Yasaka. Well, now you can with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. With this credit card, you can earn four times points on dining, takeout, and restaurant delivery and two times points at grocery stores, grocery delivery, gas stations, EV charging stations, and streaming services. Plus, discover how you can earn 20,000 bonus points, a $200 value, at usbank.com 
slash altitude go when you apply. Live every day your way with the Altitude Go card. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude go. Limited time offer. The creditor and issue of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply.